0: Hello everyone, welcome to another weekend report. We'll begin today by talking about the recent news of the week, then move on to some macro analysis, and then finish off by looking at some of our charts, technical analysis, and general outlook for the week. Now, of course, the most recent news we got in Bitcoin was that big kind of sell-off that was triggered when the SEC came out and said that the ETF filings by BlackRock and others, other institutions was have been now, refiling for their ETFs are inadequate, okay, <clears throat> quote-unquote. Now, um, looking into this, it's not really much of a news. Now, we did see that kind of big sell-off, especially, for example, in GBTC and Bitcoin that fell below 30,000. But they quickly recovered on the day, and overall, nothing has changed fundamentally, okay? Now, the outlook is that we could be seeing some Bitcoin ETFs come online, Towards the end of the year or more, starting in 2024, actually coinciding quite close to the Bitcoin halving. So that should be quite interesting. Now, following on to this with other Bitcoin news, we also have Kraken, who has recently been ordered to hand over its information to the IRS. Kraken, of course, one of the largest exchanges in the US, and it has now been forced to comply with the IRS. Okay, so. Just something interesting there. If you're using Kraken, it's important for you guys to know what you're doing in terms of taxes or not paying taxes. Always you know, uh, be aware of these things. And, of course, you know, the easiest way, of course, if you want to avoid all this is keeping stuff in your own wallet. Okay. And now, meanwhile, in Hong Kong, we can see that the country continues to grow as a kind of crypto hub, now embracing Web3 with this new task force. OK, the territory's pro-crypto financial secretary, Paul Chan, says Web3 development represents a golden opportunity. So very interesting. Authorities in Hong Kong announced the creation of a task force dedicated to promoting Web3 development. The news broke last Friday via an official press release from the government of the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region for an initiative taking effect today. OK, so just continuation with that kind of narrative that we've been seeing Hong Kong really becoming Quite the hub, really, for cryptocurrencies, also a big hub for physical um, metals. So uh, definitely a very interesting, very interesting moves there. And of course, we do expect that we'll get a lot of uh, significant kind of liquidity coming from those areas. You know, China, Japan, especially perhaps now that having some issues with the exchange rate. So that could really affect things. And just to wrap up, also important to mention that, of course, Supreme Court decision that we got regarding loan forgiveness, uh, which was basically denied, uh, saying, okay, you can't forgive these loans. And, you know, the implications for this, obviously for banks, a lot, have been said, a lot has been said about uh, SOFI or Sophie, SOFI, SOFI, uh, regarding, you know, they have a lot of business when it comes to student loans. And we actually saw the stock fall on the day, but nonetheless, this is quite bullish, and you know this is a stock that I will be looking into in the coming week s o f i so interesting news there now, to wrap up, it's also important to point out that that towards the end of the month, the Federal Reserve is going to be issuing its Fed now payment system, okay, so as I've mentioned before, this could basically be a precursor to the CBdc. Digital to the Federal Reserve digital currency, okay? Those CBDCs, which have been talked about so much in the last couple of years. So with that said, let's have a quick look at what FedNow is, okay? Now, this is basically an extension of something that is already in place, which is the Real-Time Payments Network. And basically what FedNow does is it allows banks to settle their transactions almost instantly, okay? It says somewhere within 20 seconds, and it allows uh, these transactions, both online and physically, to be settled much more quickly. Okay, and this includes nights, weekends, and holidays. Now, the interesting part here is that you yeah, get this little conclusion at the end, which is quite enlightening. What's more, the backing of the Federal Reserve means Fed now can immediately ensure both banks are made whole. When money is sent, it comes out of the sending institution's master account of the Fed and is deposited into the receiving bank's Fed account. Now, basically, what does this mean? If all the banks have an account of the Fed and all the transactions are going through here, there's basically no way that banks can, quote unquote, collapse, there can't really be a bank panic because as it says here, the Federal Reserve can immediately ensure that both banks are made whole. And in the case of some kind of a bank run, basically the Fed is now at the center of all transactions and they can always say, well, don't worry, we're going to backstop your accounts. We're going to fill them up. Don't worry. And of course, this is basically kind of a continuation of all the programs we've seen recently. Of course, one of those being the uh, those emergency loans coming out from regional banks, which have really contributed to increasing the liquidity. And this is actually the topic that I want to touch on next. Now, we did get during the previous week, those PCE numbers, right? So PCE actually came in, below expectations and a lot of people saw this as kind of a bullish signal but what can we expect moving forward a couple of things to point out first of all pce has remained quite sticky we actually look at this chart from all the way from 2021 to 2023 and this is of course the fed's uh, preferred uh, method of measuring inflation this core pce and we can actually see that it has hovered around four or five percent um pretty much over the last two years okay it hasn't really Come down much. We see a slight decline, that is true. But overall, even though it did come in below expectations, this is proving to be a lot stickier than, let's say, more of the headline inflation. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this uh, changes expectations moving forward. Now, of course, we did get Jerome Powell coming out the other day and talking about the idea of higher for longer. And markets are starting to digest this kind of narrative, if we think about How the uh, expectations for Fed futures have changed. Now, if we look at the Atlanta Fed predictions for the three month average SOFR path, we can see how they have changed quite dramatically since the beginning of the month. Okay, we can see in the green line what these predictions for the Fed funds rate were at the beginning of the month as of basically the 1st of June, and then we can see here in the blue. How they are today okay as of basically Thursday the 29th of June and we can see how we have got quite a significant decrease in what the market is expecting in terms of the path for the Fed futures okay whereas before we were expecting you know a terminal rate at about 500 and you know going down quite a lot more quickly we can see that the curve now is showing that you know we could indeed have a bit higher for longer and that basically rates won't come down quite as fast as was once expected. We can already see this in, for example, the expectations for the next Fed meeting, where now most markets participants, about 70%, are expecting another rate hike, whether it's before the kind of idea of the pause was a lot more prevalent. Okay, So we'll have to see how this affects markets going forward. And it's definitely going to be very interesting to see how inflation goes on now the reason i say this is because we actually have some very interesting charts over here we can see here uh, what you might call the fed's shadow liquidity now this here shows the s&p 500 index and next to it this is the basically the emergency loans issued by the fed since we got that um since we got that regional bank crisis and we can see how this has acted in a way as quote unquote hidden liquidity basically providing these banks with loans now the downside to this if we look at the other side of the coin is well what does this mean for inflation now in reality the truth is if we look at the fed assets you know we haven't actually been reducing m2 in fact m2 has begun to increase which is something that i talked about in my last article on seeking alpha so Can inflation start to surprise to the upside? I am starting to think, yes, okay. So I think that, you know, based on how these loans are acting, how the growth in the economy is basically proving so resilient, I do think that we could get a little surprise in inflation in the coming months and that could basically lead to a sell-off. Now, this is pretty much in line with our expectations for the SPX. Now, based on our current analysis of the chart, we can see that we are nearing the top of our wave three. And now, hypothetically, after this sell-off, we could argue that perhaps this wave four was in place and that we could rally into our target box here for our wave five, okay? So this means that the SPX could potentially reach about 4,700 before we get a more significant pullback. Now. In either case, though, I do think that the risk now is much more to the downside than to the upside. We have seen a lot of bullishness in markets, and we can see just, just by looking at the technicals, okay, looking at the RSI, typically with the RSI at these levels, you expect some kind of a sell-off, okay? Look at that RSI when we got to this top of that wave four and how we got that sell-off, and now, basically, we go here into over very overboard conditions, And now we're starting to see, in fact, what you might call a divergence because the market made arguably a higher high here. Yes, slightly higher high while the RSI begins to make a lower low. So this is definitely a level where we might get slightly higher highs, but we're going to start seeing this decline, okay, both in terms of the RSI. Now, I would go ahead and venture that volume is probably also looking a bit more anemic at this point, okay, and we can see that here too. Basically, okay, and that's also typical of what you might call wave three and then a wave five. Okay, the wave three is obviously normally supported by strong action, strong volume, and a lot of momentum. While the wave three, yes, we're grinding higher, but we're starting to see that kind of uh, loss of force, which will eventually mean that the market will have to head even lower. And if we were looking at a sell-off happening, well, first of all, of course, we've got the support here at the trend line. We can also hear, see here that the VP, uh, the sorry, we can also hear, see here, we can also hear, we can also see here that the visible range volume profile sits at about four thousand one hundred, giving us a lot of support there. Also, a lot of support a little bit below 3,980. Uh, this is around where that trend line is. This is also the two hundred day moving average. And if we were to more or less try and now again, we don't know where this rally will end, but if we were to try and look at for example, let's say that we can get a wave five up into the 4700. Then we'd expect a retracement in a wave four to take us somewhere around here. Okay, so down to the 50% level would be about 40, 57. And again, this would match very well with the 200 week moving average and that kind of trend line channel, to, so testing the lower bound of that trend line. Uh, so this is basically my expectation. And you know this is significant sell off if we're looking at reaching forty seven hundred and then falling to about forty one hundred that is you know close to a fifteen percent sell off so again, I think the risk now is that we'll get that sell off in s p x now Bitcoin now this of course would follow a slightly higher high, and this is something that I would like to see in Bitcoin too now, if we look at the structure on Bitcoin, I have basically been talking about. Uh, this structure as of recent, which is the idea that this was all a one, two, three, four. We're now finishing our wave five, okay, a wave five, which should take us up into this ballpark, okay, about 40, 50k almost. Now there's a lot of resistance there. And then following that, you know, and leading up to the halving, we could expect a substantial sell-off. Okay. So this is, of course, what we saw happen back in 2019. Uh, before we had the COVID crash, of course, and before that halving, where we retraced very, very significantly. Okay. And now, I wouldn't expect such a big retracement unless, of course, we get another pandemic. <laughs> but, you know, we would be looking at basically retesting much, much lower levels after reaching, let's say, somewhere around 40,000. Yeah. But wave two could easily, easily take us back into mm-hmm. this kind of 20K range. Okay. 23,000, even, you know, candle going all the way down to 19,000. And this would be very much in line with, you know, the kind of dynamics that we normally see play out before uh, before the halving, okay? So it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. And that is my expectation for now. If we look at the more micro, I am looking to see... If we look at the more micro, I am expecting to get still a little pullback here to 28K and then a final we five and an ABC to get us into this 44K region, okay? So, again, this could happen as the market rallies into basically near all time highs, about 4,700 maybe, maybe even topping that slide dude. But ultimately I would expect a pullback to begin at some point. And now moving on to commodities. Now this is the time to buy commodities. I think basically my expectation is that we are going to see A, that revival in inflation expectations and basically kind of uh, move where we see markets kind of top while gold and maybe other commodities start to move up, of course, very much in line with the idea that inflation could begin to increase again. And if that becomes a reality, then, of course, we're going to see big moves in gold. We're going to see big moves in oil. And gold, for example, we can see almost reaching our target level and we did get a quite a good bounce the other day. So we did get a significant bounce here, okay, with gold making that slightly. Uh, so we did get that bounce in gold and a good bounce here in the RSI, which arguably is also showing us a little bit of divergence here, at least on the four hour chart. Now I would like to go for gold to be a bit lower. Ideally, we touch at least 174 maybe even 169. So those are the 382 and 50% retracements. And in fact, the 61.8% retracement, which would be the most likely in theory, is still quite a while away. It's down here at 164. Yeah, I'm looking to add gold. I have actually added some more positions in gold and more recently silver to the portfolio. But ultimately, I do think we could head a bit lower. But again, we don't have to. So I don't want you to be like, oh, we missed the bottom, you know. Um, we can't know exactly how it's going to pan out and the way to play. This is to start slowly, basically, accumulating, okay? And now silver, which I talked about recently, is getting very interesting here. <clears throat> silver has, in fact, reached a lot closer to that 61.8% retracement, at least, of this uh, more smaller move. So this, is, if this was the wave 1-2 here, and then we have basically another 1-2, and we can actually see quite a lot of symmetry in these two moves. And to that extent, if we look at how you know, we we had a wave C here, retrace pretty much exactly to the 61.8% retracement. And lo and behold, we now have silver retracing almost exactly again to that 61.8% retracement. And again, kind of starting to see that divergence with the RSI refusing to go lower. While we did get, well, we have begun to see marginally lower lows here we did see silver almost attempt to make a low. I would like again to see silver try and hit this a bit harder, even for a, even a higher confidence entry to go all the way down to this trend line. Okay, at least maybe give us a bit of a wick here on the daily chart that touches that trend line. You know, again, at those levels, I would be I would even consider entering kind of an aggressive trade. And this is exactly what I look to do on that trade idea which i posted the other day on the marketplace and then of course moving on to copper this is of course another trade that we put on recently and you know i still think that we should hold basically that 200 day moving average and begin our ascent in what looks to be a wave three okay so we got here pretty clear impulse of the lows a nice abc retracement that basically hit if i'm not mistaken the uh, 38.2% retracement. Exactly, and now we are looking kind of ready to explode a bit to the upside, okay? We're also seeing kind of, you could argue, the formation of a bit of a wedge here, and basically I'd expect us to eventually break out of this wedge into what would be a continuation of this rally, okay? So really helping us break into higher levels. Now, with that said, I've mentioned how I'm looking at SPX and NASDAQ as pretty close to that top. However, commodities, of course, looking a lot more attractive long term. And in the shorter term, I still believe that we could see that rotation happen, right? So while SPX and NASDAQ maybe grind high a little bit, I think we are in a lot more of a bullish scenario with something like the Russell. Okay, so these small caps, which should really continue to... Uh, go higher in what I'm looking at here as a wave three. Okay, so we've got actually a very good retracement here in a wave four hitting that 50% retracement quite closely as we can see here, yeah, we've got that pretty good 50% retracement and we're now heading to that higher high testing out the top of that basically top of this uh, resistance and then, as and so, I do expect IWM, the Russell, yeah, these smaller caps too, maybe continue significantly higher as we basically get the end of that larger rally in the indexes. And then, of course, we'll get a pullback for everything. Yeah, so everything will then go back in a synchronized fashion, as it'll you know, as it usually does. And then we'll we would still be set up for one final high in markets. And basically it's a similar story for international markets. Okay. So if we look, for example, at emerging markets, we can see that in recent weeks we've also broken out of that wedge we had. And if we count this as our one, two, then on the smaller time frame, we can look at this as a one, two, three, four, five. Okay, in a similar way. And this would be the top of our wave one, four, our wave. And this would be an initial impulse in wave one that should eventually lead us to the top of our wave three, which lands us somewhere around 53. Okay. So this would still be a much smaller impulse within a larger impulse that could look something like this. So ultimately, not much has changed in terms of our long-term view. Markets getting pretty overheated, I think. I'm looking basically for those slightly higher highs, especially when it comes to Bitcoin and the other assets like IWM, EM, yeah, so that kind of rotation. But following that, I do expect a significant sell-off, and I do think this will come in as we get a renewed fears of inflation coming back and also we begin to see perhaps more deterioration in the economic indicators we have jobless um we have jobs numbers coming out next week so that's what we're going to be looking at so i'm going to leave it at that for today hope you enjoyed the video and have a good rest of your weekend